Welcome in to another episode of the Think Deeper podcast. I'm your co-host Will Harib, joined by Joe and Jack Wilkie. It's good to have the band back together. Uh, last episode, me and Joe were um, not available, had various things going on, and, and Jack recorded a great episode with uh, Carrie Gillis on singleness. If you haven't heard it, I encourage you to go check it out. But uh, it is good to be back. Uh, great to be back, Joe. Uh, we mentioned, I think, two episodes ago, had a big speaking engagement that was coming up in Seattle. Obviously, that is now passed. Joe, how'd that go? Any any thoughts on, on how that went? Went really well. Um, reception was really good. Everybody was really, really kind. Um, if anybody's in the Northwest, make sure to check out Faith Builders every year, uh, right around July, 1st of July every year. Um, just a really encouraging time. Great brothers and sisters up there. I think they had over 300. This is the best year they had in a long time. Getting back from That's because you were there, right? That's, that's what I told them, is <laughs> put me on every year and just watch the numbers rise. Um but no, it was it was really good. A lot of good people met a lot of good people, connected with a lot of great people that um, that we've been friends with for a long time. And so, um, yeah, it was a really good time. How was camp? It was it was very hot, and uh, dealing with first and second graders, a hundred of them for a week uh, was wearing on me by the end of the week. But uh, it was good. It, it was a good, very good week. So um, That's I do have a to lot know. Of kids. Yeah, yeah. It was corralling first and second graders is. Uh, obviously Jackson is a long way from that. So I have uh, quite a few years till I'm, till I get there and I'll be one instead of a hundred. But Jack, I do want to know before we get into our topic, what was it like, uh, kind of being the, the lone host on last week's episode? What was it like without me and me and Joe on the show? You know, that Will Smith meme from Fresh Prince where he's in the empty room, just kind of looking yes. around. You know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, Gary was a great guest. Uh, it was we, a really good episode. I'm glad we we're able to kind of keep the wheels turning, not take a week off. Um, we like to, to keep the content coming. So that was, that was fun. Um, we're, we got more interviews for you. Hopefully you guys will be on for those. Uh, we're kind of planning some of those out over the next few months. And so, um, I'm sure people get sick of just hearing the three of us, especially me, but, uh, you know, you get an extra voice on, an extra perspective, uh, as always, uh, a nice little addition to the show. So, yeah, it went really well. Well, we got, I think we got a, a company meeting coming up on Thursday. And so for those who are listening, um, that's where we're going to plan out the next, I think, at least few months worth of episodes. Um, we've been, we plan them out, but I think we got some really exciting things coming. We've been prepping them for a while. Uh, we're talking about them for a while and, and kind of prepping our listeners that, hey, we got some exciting things. That's where we're going to really dig into it on Thursday. And, and, you know, figure some cool things out. If you have some things that you'd like us to, to cover, any topics you'd like us, uh, like us to cover, please email us, reach out to us on Facebook, whatever it is. Um, we would love to be able to work that into our schedule coming up. If you have any questions or thoughts, we usually do that at the end, but I figure since we're here, we'll, we'll kind of plug that at the beginning that please reach out with any topics that you'd like us to, to cover. Well, as I've said before, go to focuspress.org. Uh, pop-up will come up. You can sign up, drop your email address in there. We'll email you once a week. But um, the things Joe's hinting at, I'm not going to get too specific. We've got two new, totally brand new podcasts on different topics in the works. Uh, at least one video series in the works, probably two. Um, I think three books uh, at the very least in the works. I mean, like, the content is just going to keep coming. Uh, we've, we've got so much stuff we're really excited about bringing other people on board. And, um, and so, yeah. Uh, make sure you're signed up with that focuspress.org and uh, keep an eye out. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, with that, guys, let's go ahead and get into our topic for today's episode, which we're 
we're going to be talking about submission. Um, you kind of hear the the term thrown around a lot. You heard it a lot during COVID, uh, the term sheep. And it's usually used as an insult, right? Like, oh, those people, they're just a bunch of sheep, right? All they do is all they do is follow. All they do is, uh, you know, they don't, they don't know their way around. They're just following, uh, you know, somebody else. And that term sheep is usually used in an insulting manner. But we wanted to kind of address that with this episode as far as what is our role as Christians when it comes to submission, when it comes to hierarchy? Obviously, again, when that term sheep is thrown out there, a lot of people kind of buck at it. Nobody wants to be called that. We don't like the idea of, of the fact that we're following something else or that we're following someone else or that, we're, that we have to submit to someone or, or something else. And what we're going to get into with this episode, and Jack, I'll, I'll hand it over to you here in just a second, is that there are a lot of things, biblically speaking, that we are expected to submit to. Um, the Bible, especially the New Testament, has a lot to say about submission. The, the obvious one to start with is we are all to submit to God. Um, hopefully that's not a newsflash to anybody listening. But there's so much more to that. And, and so we kind of have to ask the question, is that concept of, and you know, maybe to some extent the idea of being an ignorant sheep that just does whatever everybody else is doing is not the best thing. Um, but is there some, I guess, legitimacy to this idea of the fact that we do follow? We are supposed to submit. We're not supposed to just be these individualists all the time. So Jack, why don't you kind of get us into the way in which, or I guess the the direction that we're going to head with this episode as far as all these various areas. Sure. Yeah. Submission is a word we, we don't like. In fact, it's viewed as a bad thing. Uh, when, when you talk about wives and husbands or just uh, different forms of submission, government, as you said, that, that sheep thing comes in and there's limits. We're going to talk about the limits, limits, but that's one of the first things we always do is say, well, I don't have to submit here. I don't, what are the exceptions? When, when can I not submit? And we're talking about this because I think it's a lot bigger deal than you realize. I think it's one of those underlying issues that we don't see, we don't talk about, but the fruits of it come up in, in a lot of different ways. And, and so God has placed all kinds of different authorities. We're going to look at four of them of uh, government, elder, father, and husband. And basically all of us spend a lot of time and, and effort trying to get out from under those authorities. And you think uh, with, with elderships, church hopping is such a, a big deal of just, well, I don't like it here. I'm going to go somewhere else. I don't like this that they're doing. I don't like this decision that they made. And there's times where maybe doctrinal compromise has gone too far and you've got to draw the line there. Okay. But that's not often, or that's not always the case when, when somebody church hops, uh, it's, I don't like it here. I, you know, and, and we being people with a, uh, a history of liberty and democracy voting, you know, getting to, to have our say, we like having our say, and if we don't have our say, we take our ball and go home. And so in marriage, when we talk about the word submission, and immediately we just kind of balance out, well, the husband can't do this, We and, and we've talked about that, and, and when we talked about marriage myths uh, a couple months ago, that that's always the first thing we run to, is kind of the limits, or, you know, we, we talk big time to the husband about not overusing his authority, and that's important, but then there's submission part. Um you look at the kind of there's a children's rights movement in our society, and, and we've talked about with the public school teachers that kind of view the kids as theirs, and they've got to stand between the parents and the, the kids, and, and how often kids are taught to disrespect their parents, and, you know, your parents aren't going to get you, and the, the kind of the youth angst, uh, your parents just don't understand, things like that. Um, uh, you know, government, every time somebody's elected, well, that's not my president. God doesn't allow you that option. Uh, he, he says anyone who resists, anyone who pushes back on the authority they were given by God is doing so to God. Um, and then before I, I hand it over to Joe to kind of paint the positive picture, while I'm, I'm kind of still creating the negative view, 
you see people casually undermining these authority structures all the time. Um, something that is not uncommon, and it's kind of one of those, like, chuckle under your breath, you know, like, oh, this is a, a funny, cute thing, is grandparents or aunts and uncles overriding parents. Well, mom and dad said you can't have ice cream, but I'll, I'll give it to you just this one time. No, God placed the parent over them. You do that. Uh, you know, women undermining a friend's husband. Okay, your, your, your friend, your girlfriend, this woman, her husband says that they got to do this. Oh, well, that's not fair. That's not right. That's not nice. You don't have to do that. And that, that, that gossip circle kind of starts up. Uh, clicks in the church undermining elders. The elders say we're going to do this, and this little group goes over and has lunch at somebody's house and talks about how that's a terrible idea. We don't like it. We're not going to do it. Um, so we, we casually undermine authority all the time. We, we casually push back on these things, and it creates all kinds of problems because God gave us these systems for a reason. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Patriarchal system is something that God designed. A, a hierarchy system is something God designed from the very, very beginning. And so you see in a, an individualized culture where we, as you said, Jack, I think it's such a valuable point that who gets held up in our culture? Even from America, you know, from America's perspective, not that we're going to get into this, but the idea of our, our nations uh, or the discussion surrounding our nation's beginning is on submission, right? From the very beginning, we're Americans. We don't do that. We don't submit. We don't do X, Y, or Z. And so we see this creep in. Submission is a really good thing, but that's a good thing only if you realize that the hierarchies that God set in place is a really good thing. You go back to the time of Abraham, right? Job, you see Job making sacrifices for his kids, um, you know, on behalf of his kids. Um, and, and there's this patriarchal system from the beginning, right? That the man or the husband is, is the, and the father is the head of the home. And he's supposed to be the one who rules well. He's kind of the priest in the early patriarchal system. The Mosaic law had hierarchy built into it of who was who was at the top. You had the priesthood. You had people like that. That you know the high priest um, who he could he had certain abilities or, or certain levels of authority that nobody else had. He could enter into the holy of holies. Right? Nobody else could. What is that? That's hierarchy. That's saying this man's up top. And it comes down from there, right? Only certain men are going to be able to speak with God on that level. Um, the church has it with elders, with deacons, uh, with even evangelists. We don't see too much in the scriptures about evangelism or about the evangelists, but we see specifically with elders and deacons, these men are to rule well. They're worthy of double honor. They have extra responsibility. The home has it with the father, um, with in marriages, right? With the husband. Hierarchies built in. Society has it. We just don't necessarily want to recognize. We see it with the government hierarchies all around us and what we get into is kind of the egalitarianism or even this wokeness the the like postmodernism of well let's all just have our own truth let's all just kind of go our own way we're not going to have a hierarchy hierarchy is is and, and even from a therapy perspective salvador mnuchin had structural family therapy and even in that from kind of a godless or, or a godless perspective in therapy he even recognized a home will have a hierarchy it's naturally built in. The question is, who's at the top, right? When the hierarchy gets flipped around, even in therapy, that's something you go in and you say, the hierarchy is not right. And so this is ingrained into civilization. It's ingrained in society. It's ingrained into the home, into the church. And we don't want to recognize that. 
That's what I was about to say. It's, it's in this idea of rebellion, right? It's kind of ingrained into the very fabric of what it means to be an American. But then you even you, you think about young people, and Jack, I think you sort of touched on this, the fact that they are expected to dislike their parents, right? They're expected to kind of rebel and, and go through this phase of, of not really wanting to be told what to do. And, and, you know, most Christians just kind of accept that, oh, well, you know, they're in that stage. What can you do about it? You know, it's, it's something that has become the norm. Um, and, and so you have to ask that question, why is that? Why is it that that is something that, that, you know, is even for Christians has become an acceptable standard to to buck, to buck the system, right? Again, we talked about wives, you talked about parents and kids, and it, what it really boils down to, you know, what was it? I think it was C.S. Lewis that called it the, the utmost evil, the number one vice, and that is pride. Uh, the fact that that's, you know, the he called it the anti-God state of mind. It's that we're so concerned with ourselves that we want to put ourselves on top, and that can reach all the way from governments that can reach with wives and, and, and husbands that can reach with parents and kids, but that plays such a big part of it. It also, I think the underlying thing is the individual is God. We live in a society where the individual is God, your own truth, you get to do for yourself and nobody can tell you otherwise. And baked into that, you have to have with that the idea that no, nothing's better than anyone else. No one is above anybody else. There's no rising up. There's no uh, there's no earned place of, of respect. And then you look at what the Bible says about elders and the honor that is due to them and the submission and that grandparents. is due to them or fathers. And, oh, yeah, all of these. Yeah, the and, uh, yeah, young, don't look at the old as, as, oh, those are our wise forebears. Those are people we got to tear down. We got to get out of the way because they were bad people. And, um and so this individual is God thing, and, and I'm going to go a little bit off-road here. Uh, follow me on this one. You see it played out in society with, with the art of a culture, with the just everything of a culture. The, you know how much ugly art we have, ugly architecture we have, all of these things? And it's we don't have a sense of greatness. We don't have a sense of beauty and wonder and all these things. Everything's the same. And if everything's the same, and you notice like communist countries, North Korea and all that, where everyone dresses exactly the same. And look at their houses. Yeah. I mean, you, you just look at and, and how a society takes these things on is because there's there is no getting ahead there's no you know the communist marxist all of this comes into that there's no earning and and moving ahead and 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 building and and achieving because everyone stays on the same flat level except for you know the people that are using this to their advantage unfortunately but and so you you bring that into our society and the individual is god and nothing's better than anything anything else nobody deserves to have a, a role of authority and so then you bring that into the church and what happens you have elders rise up and people go i'll i'll follow you until i don't like what you say and then i'm out uh you have in a marriage well I'm, i'll go along with this unless i got to do something for me i've got to make me happy and then i'm out of here uh you know again kids and parents uh, we, we've talked about I'm, all of these things has the individual is God thing, and basically you submit until you don't like it anymore, and then you can quit. Also, that's not submission. Also, and, and I'm thinking about this, especially as you're mentioning eldership, why do you think we don't have very many elders in each church? Why there's nobody that can rise up and be elders? The average church either has them and have maxed out the number of men that can be elders, the average, I'm saying, or uh, they have no ability to, to put elders in place because they don't have enough no qualified There's no qualified. Men. Why? Right. Because we're not teaching men to rule. We're not teaching men to have dominion. We're not teaching men to, to grow up and to say, this is what you're supposed to do. This is your rightful place as the, the leader of the church. You're going to take them into the future as men of God, powerful men of God. We don't do that. 
in an individualized society, what would you expect? You'd expect to see men kind of go their own way, do their own thing. They're not ruled well. They don't rule well. They don't rule themselves well. And so what do you do? You go to insert men as elders in, into that position, and you have nobody that has that has pursued greatness. You have nobody that knew, even knows how I'm to rule. At with the, this is what I'm getting at with the achievement thing is if you can look at – you know, somebody, uh, okay, the architecture or the art I'll use again. And you can use the Mona Lisa and then you can look at one of these things that would pass as art now and go, these are the same thing. You can't say that one is better than the other. You can't, well, then you're going to get to a place where nobody tries to do better. Well, and the same thing in the church, if you've got a man who is a, a, an honorable man of God, who has put the time in with the word, who loves the people, who prays, who who leads and all that, and you go, this is the same as that person in the pew who gets disgruntled and just takes off when they want, that neither one of them actually has a right to, you know, uh, lead the other one. Well, then you start you stop having people rise up to that because there's no respect, there's no authority to it. It's the classic example uh, that the some teacher in some high school used to illustrate and not to get into political discussion, but the advantages of capitalism, right? The idea that, Hey, I'm going to give everybody the same grade, no matter how hard they work, everybody's going to get the same grade. Well, what does that mean? It means the kids that would normally try to work harder are going to now work less hard. And the ones that didn't work really that hard to begin with are going to be even more, we're going to work even less hard than that. And so the average overall grade is going to just drastically drop. And I think that's kind of the idea that you're going for there talking though about elders and, and, and likewise. Joe, go ahead. Right, and no, sorry, no, no. you're good, Jack. Go for it. I was just going to move us into this next point. We we wanted to talk about. You brought this up earlier, Joe. The word "rule." We don't like that word. We're we're allergic to that word. But the Bible uses that word: elders who rule well, fathers to rule their household. Uh, in fact, that's a thing that is expected of elders that they would be men that rule their own household well, right? And we like the word leadership because leaders are people that we can see where they're going. If we like it, we'll follow them, and if not, we'll move on. And so this leads to things like church voting. Uh, well, we'll all take a vote on it. No, you. these guys are uh, in charge. You might have suggestions. You might express your desire for something with, uh, to the elders. They'll take that into account, and the decision they make sticks. But, man, we, we like voting. We like you know spreading out the authority. We like all being on the same equal playing field. That it damages the church when you do that in the same way it damages the home you don't let the kids vote on what's for dinner because you have god has placed people in authority because if the kids if my daughter were to vote for what's for dinner every night we'd be eating a lot of (laughs) chick-fil-a and and we'd also be in very poor health uh that's why i was placed in the leadership authority and and my wife with me as as the parent over them to say we're not it's having not Chick-fil-A every night. <laughs> it's not up for vote. Eat those green beans, But right? see, on, on, um, on that level, it's really basic. On that level, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. we get that. Nobody would ever challenge it. Bring that into the church. Bring that into a marriage where you say, this is where we're going. I, you know, I was speaking again over the weekend, and I got into this a little bit on the on the class. It was, it was a um, – godly sexuality was the six-hour kind of discussion, but we got into some things like this of – and we talked about on the podcast, don't put your, you know, wives, don't put your husband in the doghouse. Husbands, you need to rule well, right? And when I got into this part of it, of like the ruler, the rulership of a husband in a marriage and how, what that should look like, there's a lot of who, you know, amen. Oh, you're stepping in it. You know, those type of comments where it's like, you could tell people just get really uncomfortable when you bring it into like context where we don't like it as much. So on a, on a level with Gloria, you know, cute little four-year-old of course she's gonna want it and everybody's gonna go well yeah but you gotta put you in authority it's like does that also 
go into marriage? Does that also go into to government? Does that also go into the church? Do you bring it in when it's difficult or just when it makes sense? Just when it's easy. And I think the servant, to your point on the leadership, I think and we've, we've kind of taken a baseball bat to the idea of servant leadership as well. I got a comment in one of the classes, great gentleman, but he was asking, what about servant leadership, right? When I was discussing that. And I said, well, servant leadership, as we said on this podcast before, is not about leading from the back and kind of taking the consensus, that church voting that Jack's talking about, right? Like, it's not saying, okay, everybody do what you want, and then I'll make sure it happens. Because to kind of transition into the next point, the role in itself, the hierarchical role, comes with special privileges, does it not? And when we have servant leadership, it's like we bear all of the responsibility. The buck stops with us, but we didn't actually make the call. And so everybody made the call. We stayed to the back. And is there a, a servant leadership done well? Sure. It looks like Christ. Do we do it very well? Well, no. I, I want to get at that. I want to get at the word servant. Because servant means doing hard, uncomfortable things, right? It means, you know, what Christ has required of you. What people mean when they say servant leadership is lay down and let everyone walk Make over everyone you, right? feel good, look around. basically. Yeah, look around and say, well, what do you You're guys want to do? everyone's And then wins. we'll go there. Yeah, there's no leadership in that. There's no rule to that as we've used that word. Whereas serving the people, truly serving the people, means telling my four-year-old no. Even if she throws a fit, which thankfully she's good about it, but it, no, we're not getting Chick-fil-A right now. It means telling your church, we're not doing this, we're not going this direction, we're setting this direction for what we're going to do. It means, you know, governments telling their people certain things. It means husbands telling their wives certain things. Even if they know the wife is going to get mad at them, she might try to put them in the doghouse, she might... She's responsible for her actions, but the servant leadership is saying, I got to do this hard thing. Even if you don't like it, this is the right thing to do. That's how I'm serving yeah, that's you. Right, sir. We, we turn that totally around, that serving is taking the easy way out by giving people whatever they want. Serving is taking the hard way out by doing what's necessary. And once again, because God created the hierarchy, the buck will stop with you one way or the other. It will come back to you. When, when, when Adam stepped back and allowed Eve to take of the fruit, the buck stopped with him. Adam, what were you doing? Why did you allow your wife to take the fruit, right? Cursed is the ground, and he goes into the curse for Adam. Why? Because Adam stood back and let it happen. I mean, you think about Romans 5 as well. Therefore, through one man. He doesn't say one couple. He doesn't say one man and one woman. He says one man. And, and you know, that's something that, you know, you look at, and, you, you know, I've often wondered this before. You think there's a reason Satan went after Eve? You think there's a reason that, that he didn't go after Adam first and, and try to know? I mean— Paul tells us. <laughs> yes, right. he does. 1 Timothy 2. In fact, More that's why it's based deceived. on men leading the church is because of that. I, I use this illustration for something similar over the weekend. As we look at it, football fans are going to know what I'm talking about. Being the coach of the Dallas Cowboys is one of the worst jobs in sports. Because you're the coach, and you've got the job title, but you don't have the authority because in your earpiece all the time Jerry is the Jones. Owner, Jerry Jones. Yep. And so, but the problem is you wear the win-loss record. If the team loses half of its games, it's your fault, even though you're not the one calling the plays. Well, the same thing with leadership. As a husband, as a father, as an elder, as a, a governing authority, you are going to bear the responsibility. You better make a decision you can live with. You better do the things that you think are right. Don't be, you know, the Dallas Cowboys head coach where you're doing it for somebody else and still getting the results. And so you get, as, as you're getting at Joe here, there's special privileges with these leadership roles and there's special accountability. What we like to do is keep the accountability on somebody. You're going to bear the win-loss record. You're going to bear the responsibility for your family. You're going to bear the responsibility for your church, for your country. You're going to stand before God and have to give an account for them. That's a terrifying thing. That's a, a, a difficult thing. And then we like to say, you've got that, but we're not going to give you any of the privileges of it.
Well, I want to I want to talk briefly about why why is it? And Joe, you touched on this about how there's a lot of churches or congregations who they they don't have elders because there's there's either not not anybody qualified or something that I've heard a lot. And this is what I want to ask you guys about. I hear a lot of 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 men that are biblically qualified that say, "I don't really want the position," right? They're they're not desire they're not yearning for that position of elder. Same thing with marriage, right? We've, we've belabored this point before about how our young people are not really looking at marriage as something to, uh, and we'll focus on the young men here, they're not really wanting to be husbands. In, in a lot of cases, they're not really wanting to be fathers. Why do you guys think that is? Do you think it'll, it has a lot to do with the fact that we have hammered and hammered and hammered the accountability side without hammering the privilege side? The fact that, I mean, the fact that we have got biblically qualified men in congregations that are looking at the role of an elder, something that is, you know, as far as on earth goes, one of the highest positions and one of the highest privileged positions that, that somebody can have on this earth. And people are, our, our men are looking at that and saying, no, nah, I'm good. No, no, thanks. You know, I'd rather not. That's a problem. I mean, do you think that that kind of plays a part into this? The, account of, the accountability without privileges makes you two things. You're a rubber stamp and that you got to do whatever people tell you, and then you're a scapegoat, that you, you do what everyone tells you and you bear the responsibility. Right. Who's so, signing up for that? So, you know, we're coming out of COVID. You got elders. They're having to deal with, hey, do we come back on Sunday nights? And they want to take the consensus for the people and say, well, do we do it? And the people go, man, I've been comfortable. I don't want to do it. So maybe they don't go back on Sunday nights, right? If that ends up hurting people spiritually when they get to heaven who do you think answers for that the elder will answer for it and he goes whoa 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 why you know i i asked the people and they didn't. i was a servant leader yeah I, yeah exactly i was a servant leader i asked all the people and they said they didn't want to do it what do you think god's going to do oh well i guess that makes this it okay in the old testament moses comes down from the mountain aaron what's going on well the people they wanted this this golden calf and i just threw the metal in the fire and here it is you know uh, King Samuel King. coming to Saul. Yeah, I was about to bring yeah. that up. Yeah, you know, hey, uh, why do I hear sheep when well, you the were people, told to kill everybody? Yeah. Well, they like you're the king, you're the high priest, you're the person in authority over these people. You are answering once again, and so buck to stops your exact with you. Point, Joe. Yeah, yeah, the buck stops with you, and so those special privileges, like you have the accountability, so you should get the special privileges, which is simply this: whether it's as a governing authority, an elder, a father, or a husband. You get to do things and make decisions that others are not allowed to make. You you know, the government, as he says, the government bears a sword for a reason. You and I don't get to go take our revenge. It's not vigilante justice. The government, God gave that privilege to specific people. Elders, you know, the, the uh, disfellowship, church discipline, that kind of thing, that is left to the elders. Matthew 18 and, you know, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, they've got that job. We don't get to disfellowship people personally. We don't get to practice per church discipline on people personally. That's left to elders. Um, husbands, you know, again, special privilege. Because when you we've talked about the voting thing that we love so much, in a marriage, that doesn't work. It's one versus one. Somebody's getting their tie, way. Yeah. And it's not so much about getting their way. Somebody's making the decision. And that's how God set it up, is when it comes down to it and you both want something different. Now, the, it's, the husband shouldn't be selfish with that. Of course, we understand that. But when somebody's had to decide what is the right thing for our family, he's going to bear the responsibility, so he gets to make the call. Same thing with the father. And so you're, you're, you have those special privileges, and without those, it's not really leadership as God instituted. The other privilege is that you are due honor and recognition your due respect and this goes to the sheep principle and nobody wants to be a sheep but you know what the sheep is to respect the shepherd the sheep is to listen to the shepherd that's part of the the joys of being a shepherd it's and not a newsflash by the way jesus calls us sheep 
because he that's is the exactly good shepherd, it. right? That's exactly it. And, you know, it's not always easy. It's not sunshine and daisies being the shepherd. Oh, you get to do X, Y, or Z. There's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. When a sheep goes astray, who do you think has to go out and, and take care of it? This is why when, I, I hate to say it, I'm going to step on some toes here, but when kids go astray in their 20s and the fathers go, well, they're out on their own. Who do you think is going to answer for that? Again, I always go to, let's go to the end of time. You're going to stand before God as a husband. Here's the thing. If you are a man and you serve in a political position, you serve as an elder, you serve as as a uh, obviously a father and a husband, you've hit all four. You will answer for all four domains of your life. If your kid falls away at 25 and you don't go after that lost sheep, shame on you. Shame on you. Well, he's 18. He gets to make his own decision. I'm sorry, I don't see you stop being a father in the Bible at 18. Point well, to that scripture and, and we'll figure Will's it out. Point a minute ago, to Will's point a minute ago, Eve was accountable for herself. Your kids will be accountable for yourself, but no doubt. Adam was accountable for himself and for letting Eve be, be tempted, right. right? And so, like you're saying, the father will, the kid, if they go astray, will be accountable for themselves. But that question, you know, uh, is going to come to a father, to a husband, to a, all of these roles because... You know, you're you're in that that accountability is placed. And if on you me. go after them and they they still turn away and they still say, "I'm not going to," okay, you've done your duty. You've continued to chase them. You're praying for them. You're going after them. I just see a lot of parents throw up their hands and go, "Well, my kids are adults. What can I do?" And they bury their head in the sand as though their kid is not condemned to hell in their current position. That is on a father's role to go after him. And to this overall point that we're making, that's the special accountability, especially what Joe's talking about, the idea that, hey, you're still a father, you know, even when your kid's 35, but you think about the special privileges that are associated with that, you got a father who's got four kids, all 30 years old plus, and they're all faithful. What kind of honor and, and respect oh, yeah. should we should we give to that person, right? That's what we're talking about when we say, yes, there is a high, high level of accountability. There is a high, high level of responsibility. But you fulfill those. You go four for four, as Joe just said. There are there is there is respect. There is honor that is due there. I want unless y'all have anything else to add. I want to get us into well, the. Well, that goes yeah. back to my individual as God point. Is we really functionally have this thing where we look at a, a, a man of God like that and his wife who have raised up a family unto God and faithfulness and all that, and a family where three out of four kids went astray and you know all, all these other things. And we go, these are the same thing. Yeah. You know, basically, there's no difference between these things, and it was just chance. And and really, I mean, you've you've heard the things like this, essentially, like, well, you got lucky, you got lucky with good kids, uh, because we refuse to admit that there is something to the role that God gave here. We refuse the responsibility because we just want, you know, sorry, right, I was I'm, saying, I'm just I was going just down the say, rabbit hole again. People would rather shirk their responsibility than own up to it, is, is what that really boils down to. It's just easier. Right. We, yeah. Exactly. We skirt around instead of saying, maybe there's something I could have done better. Maybe I need to repent. Maybe I need to say sorry. Maybe I need to chase after my kids, whatever it is. I think we skirt around it and go, well, they got lucky. And it's kind of the train up a child in the way he should go when he is old. Let's, let's hope he stays faithful. <laughs> I just don't see that. I see, I see fathers that, and this is on a marriage perspective, right? Those... Look, you're worthy of honor if you rule well. And what the last thing I'll say that we're going to move on, Jack, you mentioned the individualism. This is also what you get where we say everybody's equal in the church. Everybody's equal. Yes, Galatians 3, 28 29, right? Yes, they're equal in value in God's eyes. They are not the same, though, in terms of their responsibilities and what they are able to do. And I think that's an important point that we throw out. Well, everybody's equal. Yes and no. Not really. It, depending right. on how you not, define not equality. Not to be... 
not to be too stuck on sports analogies, but you guys remember at the start of last year, it was the Brooklyn Nets. They put together a super team, right? And they got a <laughs> oh, yeah. brand new coach. And they said, what do, what do you guys think about the coach? And one of the players, Kyrie Irving, said, any of us could be the coach. Basically, we don't really even need a coach. And they lost well, in like the that, first wah, round. Wah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that experiment, not only did they lose in the first round, it blew up where all of the players are running away from the team. Everybody is jumping off of that sinking ship because it was... There's no leadership here. There's no, we all can do whatever we want because we know, we know best. And you see churches do that. I mean, I, I, I've been adjacent to a church, not a part of a church, but a church I'm aware of where that was just kind of the attitude of everybody. And it blew up multiple times in a five-year span that I was aware of it, of people just running in all different directions because I don't like it here and I'm not, it's, it's horrible. And so you've got to give the accountability and the privileges of leadership. For, Let's go to the side that everyone likes to talk about. Right, that's what I was going to say. This is the one that people have probably been screaming at the at the at their podcast screen so far. When are they going to talk about this? What, what about abuses of authority, right? What about when, you know, obviously kind of big on everybody's minds right now. What about when a government abuses their authority? What about when an elder, you know, abuses his authority, maybe does some things doctrinally that are that are not correct? What about, obviously, we know there are cases when husbands and fathers do it. So, Joe, I'm going to start with you. What do we do in those instances? Again, this is the one that everybody always wants to jump through. I feel like we've done a, an adequate job kind of establishing the about the, the role in the hierarchical system and the way that God designed it. But as humans always do, we subvert God's design, right? We pervert God's design. And so what should the average individual, maybe member of a church, wife with their husband, children with their parents, let's take each one of those and say, what do we do when those abuses take place? So first, we want to state the obvious. We've already stated this, but state the obvious. If it goes against God, if they are telling you to do something that is against God, Clearly, they are way out of line, abusing their authority. You do not listen to them if it's going against God. Okay, I'm going to throw that out there. Um, that doesn't handle a lot of different issues, though. And so you hear that a lot of like, well, if it's against God, just, you know, mate, don't don't follow him. Okay, what about if your husband is, is you know, emotionally abusive? Something like that. I think in these situations, escaping is okay. Escaping a tyrannical government. Escaping a, and, and separating for a time, separating for your husband. He gets a little bit into this and... Paul does in 1 Corinthians 7, separating for a time, right, so as to to help your husband see the error of his way when there's abuse, when there's things like that. Do I think divorce? I think we avoid things like divorce as much as possible. So I think the first and foremost is escaping is okay. Um, the question is how far do we escape specifically in things like, uh, you know, in, in marriages, do I think divorce is appropriate for things like that? If it can be avoided, I think we should. I think escaping is our first option. Jack? Take us into the second. Well, I was going to... So, go ahead, Jack. Well, go ahead, I was just going to ask Joe, because to some extent, and Jack, I don't know if you're going to get into this, there's a bit of subjectivity to that, right? So to play devil's advocate, and I don't, I don't love that phrase, but to play devil's advocate for just a second, when you say maybe a tyrannical government, maybe you know escaping is okay, where's the line, right? And that may not be a question that we can answer here, but somebody is probably listening thinking... You know, well, well, my, my husband's being tyrannical and when they're really not. You know what I mean? There, there's a lot of subjectivity to that. So how would you answer that, I guess, kind of retort to, to your position of of the way that you just answered that question about when it's okay to kind of get out from under the abuse of authority? Man, put me on the spot. Put me on the spot. I know. Sorry. Um, yeah. No, I, that's it's good. I'm glad you're clarifying because I think, okay, so if your husband's beating you, something like sure. that. It's easier in a marriage, I think. Well, you, there's still some subjectivity in a marriage because, again, if a, if a husband's emotionally abusive, 
that's really not necessarily a standard for there's that. There's not either. necessarily right. a standard. I think it's between you and well, God. We also talked about, we've talked about this on a couple of things, that those therapy terms can be weaponized. Yes. Oh, they're toxic. They're abusive. Therefore, I'm not accountable at all. Right. Like, you still have duty here as well. First Peter 3 as speaks a, a lot to that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, for the husband that's a non-Christian and all. And so it's a difficult thing. Um, it, it's something that... Number one, as far as it depends, it's it's really interesting. Before Paul goes into the government thing in Romans 13, he leads off before that, if possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And so when a government overdoes you, try and keep peace as far as you can and let God get the revenge. Because we talked about that accountability. They're accountable to God for the people under their charge, but they're also accountable. Every authority, husband, father, elder, government, is accountable to God for how they use their authority, right? And so that is... If you are a husband or father, an elder or a ruling official, that should put great fear in you, great reverence, great respect for the role that you have to realize I better do this right because I have to answer to God for how I did it. So don't be that abusive person. Number two, as a a person under the the charge, you got to submit as far as you can, as much as you can. There, we're going to get into a minute the exceptions as to when, but you are expected to hold up under a lot. Our first thing is immediately, as we talked about at the start, I don't have to do anything. I'm told that I I don't want to. Well, we say that, but we still pay our taxes, even though we're we're overtaxed. We might feel like we say that we still drive the speed limit or wear a seatbelt or you know like, uh, and so. Bear up under it as much as you can. Escaping, we see Paul running away out of Damascus, right, when they're trying to kill him. Escaping is okay. Uh, we see Paul appealing to his citizenship. Using the, the rights and the outlets that you have is okay. Um, resistance is okay to a point. And Paul resisting in that sense is okay to a point. In the same sense, you know, with children, wives, church members, or whatever else, and, and trusting the vengeance to God. And so if it's a situation where you need to escape, especially, hopefully, just for a time, okay, um, but still, in that, the rules still apply to you. Right. Right? You're, you're not free of the rules when, when you have to I think it's important that. that if the first thing you... Sorry, we'll turn over a second. Go but ahead, if the first ahead. thing you run to is escape, resist, you know, the moment things get difficult, it's like, okay, well, it's time to resist type of thing because they're abusing their authority. I think it shows a heart problem, personally. If you sure. can't bear up underneath some of it and recognize, look, our, our goal... Keep in mind, when Paul is writing 1 Timothy 2, and he's writing Romans 13, the governments at the time. 1 Timothy 2, or 1 Timothy's what? 62, 64, 80, somewhere around there. Um, Nero's burning down Romans 64 and blaming it on the Christians. Like, he's writing in some pretty rough times where they're, they're burning Christians alive, they're doing all sorts of horrible stuff. And he's saying, hey, pray for them that you may lead a tranquil and quiet life. Like, we are, and, and the way that we approach, he's saying that a government is to punish evil and, and is to reward the good. Did it look like Rome was doing a whole lot of that at the time? No. So, he's writing Romans 13, fully recognizing seemingly, they're not doing that. They're not following through on a lot of that stuff. In some ways, yes, they're putting to death the criminals, and in other ways, they're putting to death Christians. Really good people who are doing nothing. They're still supposed to honor the the government in that position. So, if your first answer is, well, I need to run from it. I need to get out from underneath my husband because he's emotionally abusive. Bear up under it. Talk to somebody. Take him. And I think in a in a father and husband role, they need to go before the elders. They need to go before the men. Um, and, and there needs to be a Matthew 18, 1 Corinthians 5 approach if your husband is doing those things at home. You go to your husband. You take another one. He's a brother in Christ as well. So those, those principles apply, I think. I was going to say Ephesians 5, obviously, and going into Ephesians 6 has a lot to say about hierarchy, has a lot to say about 
um, different areas of submission. He obviously addresses wives and husbands uh, at the end of chapter five, and then children and parents and uh, bond servants and masters into six. But one thing that people will try to bring up sometimes is, you know, Ephesians 5.22, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, or children obey your parents in the Lord. And what sometimes a lot of people will try to jump to is, oh, well, that means if they're leading in an appropriate manner. And the problem with that is the subjectivity of it, right? What that turns into is you can you have to submit to them as long as basically you agree with what the, with the direction that they're going. It kind of goes back to what Jack was talking about earlier. That's not a correct interpretation of what Paul's saying. You go to I think it was Joe that brought up First Peter three earlier, where talking about unbelieving husbands that even those who don't obey the word, what does he still command the wives to do? You still submit, right? It's not a well. I don't really agree with the direction that that he or she is leading, and of course this applies to churches as well. Um, but you think about fathers and parents. If a, if a kid doesn't agree with uh, the way that their parents are leading, do they all of a sudden have the privilege granted to them to not be able to obey? Of course not. Um, but it, it, it's the way that God set it up in that, you know, hierarchies all throughout our lives in the sense that we are supposed to submit regardless, obviously, again, doctrinal things notwithstanding, regardless of whether we agree 100% all the time. I'm not going to agree you know, on, on certain opinion-based things with my elders 100% of the time, does that give me the right to subvert them? Of course not. And that, that applies, of course, to marriage and parents as well. Um, let's get into the last question, unless, Jack, you had anything else for this one. When is it okay not to submit? What are the exceptions? We've been beating around the bush the whole time that, yes, there are exceptions. For this kind of last uh, D block, I guess you want A, B, C, now we're in the D block. When is it okay not to submit? Um, we've already stated the first one, the most obvious one, that is, if somebody, a government, a husband, an elder is telling you or or instructing you to do something that is biblical, that is contradictory to God's instructions, then you don't have to submit to that. That's not something that you have to obey. Same thing with parents, same thing with husbands. That's the obvious exception. What about some of the other ones, guys? Get us into some of those. Yeah, so it's interesting. We've kind of hinted at this, but we have double standards with these things. We feel that these hierarchies, these areas of authority, are very similar in the authority they've been given and the limitations they've been given, and they cover different things. And there's overlap among some of them, and then there's separation among some of them. But we treat them like such different things. You know, when the government says, you guys can't go to church, and how many Christians just went, well, Romans 13, we got to obey it, we got to listen, we got we to do what they told us. And then when a husband, say off the top of my head, he tells his wife, you know what, I'd like it if you grew your hair out a little bit longer. I, you know, I prefer it that way rather than you keeping it cut short. And all of her friends run in and go, he is controlling and manipulative. That, that is just not, that is not right. You do not have to do that. Like, but these are the hierarchy set up. So are there limitations, like we're saying that there are, or Romans 13, you just got to do everything. There are limitations. There, there are points. And so, you know, Pennsylvania, I remember this being a headline that they were saying you can only have, you know, it was at the time where you could have like two people in your house at a time or whatever. And they said, if you have two people in your house, you both, you know, it's from somebody outside your house, you need to wear masks in your house. Do, do you have to wear masks in your house? Romans 13. No, you don't have to wear masks in your house. Or you can use the example, uh, elders come to you and say, we need to see everyone's finances to make sure everybody's giving enough money. Do you have to? Do you have to just say, oh, well, it says submit to your elders. Um, you know, a husband tells his wife, you know what? I, I feel like you weigh too much. You know, I want you to drop some pounds. You're not allowed to eat lunch anymore. Every day you're going to have to skip lunch. Is he allowed to do that? Uh, father, you know, I'm just getting more and more ridiculous with these examples just to make the examples. A father tells his kids, all right, you have to stand on your head in the corner for a minute every single morning. Do the kids have to do that? And in, intuitively we say no. 
Of course, you don't have to do that. You don't actually have to wear a mask in your own house. You don't uh, have to turn your finances over to the elders and, and let them do it. Okay, but why? Why? Where? Under what principle? Because it does say submit, and they're not sinning, or they're not making a sin. It, it, it doesn't fall under the, they're making us go against God by doing that. So why? It's the circles of authority. They're overstepping there their bounds, things, right. There are things that are outside the jurisdiction of government. And part of that is, you know, your health decisions for your family and and those things like wearing a mask inside your own house. That's just not their call to make. That's not their judgment to make. When they told churches, churches, you have to mask up inside. You have to. They're overstepping the church's authority and the father's authority of those health decisions of, you know, things like that. Um, You know, I think California said don't sing songs in your church. They don't get to say that, okay? And and so you've got those limitations on governmental authority. You've got the limitations on elder authority. Elders don't get to see your finances because that's not something that God has put under their authority. A father can't tell uh, his children to stand uh, on, on their head in the corner because that's not why he has that authority. And so if you understand that there are these four different spheres and that they operate in conjunction with each other but that they all have their limitations, this gets pretty easy. It's really not that hard. And if you want to make it even easier, let's take the the government of Pennsylvania. I live in Tennessee. If the government of Pennsylvania said, hey, everybody in Tennessee has to, um, you know, can't own guns. Everybody in Tennessee has to wear masks outdoors. Do we do it? Well, no, that's not your jurisdiction. You You don't have rule. Well, you're a government. You're governing authority. What about the father who wants to discipline other people's kids? That's not your call. That's not your family. God did not put you over them to to do that. You're over your own kids. You get your own house in order, right? So we understand it on that principle, Jack. I think that's that's a really wise principle of who has authority over what. Now, let me throw this out to you. You step outside your door and the government, government says you have to wear masks when you go into the supermarket. When it maybe if, if you're, let's get specific. If you're riding in your car, you got to wear a mask. Yes or no? I would say no because it's, and, and we're past the mask, thank goodness, but let's say we go back into it. Um, you're riding in your car. I'd say no because that's still part of your space, your jurisdiction of, of where you're at. Now, if they say, as soon as you step outside your car, you're on public property and you have to wear a mask, do you do it? I would say yes. They have a right over that. Um, that's there. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm comfortable with it. doesn't mean that I have, didn't struggle with that greatly, but what are your thoughts on that? I think you hit it spot on. I mean, we don't like that, right? We bristle at that as somebody, you know, who despised every time I had to put on a mask. That's that's not something that but that's not something that I enjoy. But you know what? When I rode on Southwest Airlines and they said put your mask on, guess what I did? I put my mask on, right? Because that that was something that that was their rule. And so uh, the you're right in the sense that it's the kind of the circles of jurisdiction, I think is your kind of your phrase, Jack, just the idea that when when bounds are overstepped, is when we can safely say that an exception can be made as far as submitting. The problem is, in like in these examples, Joe, that you're bringing up, the subjectivity that is involved. I mean, are we really saying that when you step out into a parking lot that the government then has authority to tell you to put on your mask? I don't know. That, that one's tough. Jack, do you have anything to add to that? It's a hard one because in the same way your, your private house is your domain, the business owner, you know, like their private property and all that, eh, eh. That one gets a lot harder for me. Uh, the home is one thing, a business where it is more public, but I don't know. Um, it's very hard to say. I think there's more room for disagreement on that than there are on some of these other things. And so 
you know, you, you just take whose authority is this? Whose call is it to make in each of these situations? And you you come up with an answer on those, and then you act in accordance with your answer. And sometimes the answer is the it, this is the government's right. Other times it's not. And and when it's not, um, now again we go along with things to the the point that we can within reason and all that. But there is also a point at which you can say this isn't your jurisdiction because it's really funny. We get so squirrely about this with government where we can tell government, that's not your jurisdiction. I'm, I'm not going to submit to that. And Christians view that as very um, anti-Jesus, that that's not a Christian thing to do. But if your eldership says, hey, everybody open up your books so we can see if you're giving enough, everybody would say, well, hold on. you nobody Don't do it. Nobody should do that because you don't need to submit to that. And they'd be right. But why is it that on one authority you can tell, no, you're not allowed to do that, and another one you can't? Right. What differentiates the two, right? Right, and so as I said before, we've got a double standard thing. We do the Roman 13 thing to basically say there's never a point at which you can tell government no. It's like, okay, let's let's change the analogies. Government comes and tells you you can't eat lunch. Government comes and tells you you have to start every day by standing on your head in the corner for one minute, videoing yourself and then reporting it, uploading it to a database, and, and making that okay. Can you say no at that point? Is there a point? Yes. And so, but boy, we get really uncomfortable saying these things about government isn't allowed to do these things. This is why I think it is a conscience issue. Once again, I I, I hate to keep going back to this. When you stand in front of God as a citizen and you answer to how you are a citizen because your citizenship, you know, belongs to God, like he will, I think he'll ask on, that's something we, we will give an account for. Are we comfortable with how we were citizens? with with how we rule now america of course you're going to hear america the people is the government right for the people by the people um and so what the people say well in reality that's not as as cutesy as that sounds and as good as that sounds and i believe that for a long time look romans 13 is pretty clear god has clearly put congress um as the rulers even joe biden as rulers in in authority over us they are all in subjection to christ they will all have to answer for their own issues will have to answer for ours. And so it is a conscience issue. Are you comfortable with how you are being a citizen? Are you trying to buck authority and rule at every single step? Or are you trying to do what's right to the best of your ability? You know, if you get it wrong, there's grace for that. If you are in always in opposition, and this goes for every level, for a wife that is always in opposition to her husband because her husband's a jerk. I think 1 Peter 3 is written toward toward Christians, Christian men who are disobeying the word. I think it's it's not just the un, non-Christians. I think it's Christian men who are not obeying the word. And in the same way, notice at the beginning of chapter 3, in the same way you wise, in the same way as what? As Christ who was reviled and didn't revile in return. As Christ who suffered but uttered no threats. As Christ who bore our sins on the cross, right? Died of sin. For you were continually straying like sheep. Now you have returned to the shepherd and guardians of the souls. In the same way you wise, in the same way as what? In the same way as Christ who was reviled and didn't revile, right? Be submissive to your own husband. So, you know, on those levels, I think it's a it is a conscience issue. We're not comfortable with that because we want it black and white. When is it right and when is it wrong? I think let your conscience and let the Holy Spirit work inside of you to decide what is right in your marriage. Your husband who's mean, no, you don't get to leave him because he's mean and told you what to do. If he's beating you, yes, you get to separate and, and protect yourself because he does not get to physically harm you. That's him abusing his role. That's him abusing his authority. Um, but I think that's separation. I don't think that's divorce. I think that's separation. The hard thing about this, for anybody that's listening, and I guess we're, we're kind of pulling everything together here about to wrap up, 
the tough thing about this is how as kind of goes back to what we started with how much culture has infiltra- infiltrated our minds to where we view submission we view this hierarchical concept with such negative connotations you know not my president you know i don't have to submit i don't have to respect that that particular position and so it's going to take if, if this is something that's not natural to you because radical feminism has influenced uh, women so much and wives so much because the media and social media has told kids to hate their parents and to rebel against their parents because church hopping is so is so prevalent and you know we like to have our say because of all these things we have to be extra extra diligent to make sure that we turn the tables as far as understanding that our pride we have to lower it why does in Ephesians chapter um, five when he says be filled with the spirit one of those elements of being filled with the spirit is to what submit to one another well why. It's, it's that, that attitude of lowering ourselves, right? That attitude of removing our pride, that attitude of not wanting to push ourselves to the top and exalt ourselves in every single position that we're in, but understanding submission's a part of life, right? You know, lowering ourselves and, and lowering our pride is part of life. And that's something that, again, if you're listening and you struggle with this, it's going to take time. You're going to have to, to kind of reshape your mind as far as the way that you think, again, wives and husbands, parents and kids, all these things, you know, families and governments, but this is why we felt like this episode was so needed and so pertinent is because of how countercultural this idea of submission truly is. Guys, what else do you have to add before we wrap up? I would just say on that thought of why this matters, you, you kind of covered all the why this is a problem. It's a matter of faith. And when we do things in faith, we do things God's way, things work out better. But we don't do things God's way. They start working poorly, and then we rearrange things to keep trying to do things our own way, and it ends up as a disaster. As I said, churches that do this, they just fall apart. Homes that do this, it's, it's very bad. And so as, a, as learning to be that sheep, because at some level, almost everybody is a sheep in one of these four circles, right? Whether you're a kid, whether you're a wife, whether you're a church member, whether you're a citizen, you have that duty from God to submit, even when you don't like it, even when you don't want to sometimes, even when you think you've got a better way, you do that because you're doing it, as was brought up earlier, as to the Lord. You're doing, you're, you're saying, I'm trusting God with this. If you're a leader, if you're a father, if you're a husband, if you're an elder, if you're a, an official or any combination of those four, lead the way that God wants you to do. Do the thing that you know is right. You are put in that leadership position to make the right choice, not to look around and see what everybody wants to do, not to do the thing that's going to make people like you the most, to make the right choice. And you got to blaze that trail, and if people follow you or don't follow you, you've got to do the thing that you know is right because you've going to you're going to stand in front of God someday and give an account for what you did. And you can with a clear conscience say, "I did what I thought I was supposed to do by your word." And so if our leaders started doing that, if our followers, you know, those uh, that are under the leaders started doing their job, everything would work out better. And when it doesn't work, you know, when, when the leaders don't do their job, when we've got a corrupt government, when we've got elders who maybe aren't stepping up to the plate, when we've got fathers, husbands, whoever it is, let God handle that. We've got to stop trying to handle that on our own. Let God handle that. Let him work on that part. Do your part. Things are going to work out. This Again, it's a matter of faith. In society, the home, the church, everything would look better if we really took these roles on and tried to live them out the way he said. And I would say, just to add right toward the end as well, the idea of modeling. If you can't get your kids to submit to you, wives, are you submitting to your husbands? Husbands, are you submitting to your elders? Are you submitting to the government? If you have a heart that is not submissive, why do you expect your kids to look at you and submit? You have to model that for them. You have to be submissive in your own ways and show why that is a good thing, why that is honoring to God. 
and lead in your own ways. And you're, you know, for, for us fathers, we're leading our kids so that they can grow up and be leaders, right? So that they know healthy submission and they know healthy rule and authority and dominion. And so it's, it's this two-way street, right? But if we are constantly pushing against government, we're constantly pushing against the elders, and then we have these, our kids aren't submitting to us, look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. Are we submissive people who are just trying to please God and everything? So, and and we're seeing divorce rates are, are crazy high. We're losing so many kids to the world. They're not coming back. Churches are falling apart. They're they're aimless. They don't know the direction for the future, especially how to navigate these uncertain times. And our government's falling apart. Why is that? Because people don't know how to lead. We we don't know how to lead and we don't know how to submit. And so this goes, it's a two-way street. Jack, I think you hit it perfectly on what we need to do, um, you know, from from both perspectives. But I think, I hope this has been an encouragement for everybody listening. I think uh, it's a difficult one. No, do we have every answer for every situation? No. If you're stuck in a situation, you got some questions, you know, we'd love to hear it. Um, if, and, and we'd love to help you work it through biblically if we can uh, to the best of our ability. I think there's, uh, again, a certain matter of conscience here. So it's difficult for us to come out and say, well, this is exactly the case. This is what you need to do. There are cases that are really difficult. We don't always know what to do. We're just trying to please God to the best of our ability. That's what this podcast is about. That's what we're trying to do. Um, and, and just be people that, and, and once again, to the modeling point, if you're you are if you're thinking about doing something, are you comfortable for the generation behind you or whoever it is underneath you, are you comfortable with them following that lead? If you're, Are you comfortable as an elder in what you're about to do with the people following you? Husbands, are you comfortable with your wives following you? Wives, are you comfortable with your children following your lead? Uh, so I think that's just a principle. But yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Unless you guys have anything else to add, Joe, I think that, and Jack as well, I think that summed it up very well. We will be back next week, as always, with another episode, as Joe said. And I think Jack said as well, we're trying to kind of get a, a plan going for the next several months um, as far as topics that we think y'all want to hear. Hit us up as we started the episode with. Let us know. Hit the emails. Uh, let us know on Facebook. Uh, whatever method's easiest, but uh, we want to thank you for listening, and we invite you to join us back next week for another episode of Think Deeper. Mm-hmm.